Hello and welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. And today we've got a very special episode today. We're going to be launching something very new and exciting, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's get into the, the pleasantries and everything like that for now. I'm only with Sean today. Unfortunately, half of our pod is actually either going to or going or are in the UK right now, Sean. So we're the only two South Africans in the South African Rugby podcast. Yeah, I know. And, and, and it's time for you to fight back against... Uh, shit, I've got this all the way wrong way around. I was saying fight back, back against Cooks, but I think you've been the aggressor the whole time. So now Cooks going to have to take two weeks of, <laughs> of abuse and then come back and try and rectify things. I just want to say for the record, I'm totally neutral here. I'm just going to be Switzerland and I'm just going to enjoy the ride. <laughs> I, I will not comment on the ongoing... Uh, beef with that I have with cooks that I'm not even too aware of at the moment, <laughs> to be honest with you. Brilliant. Sean, I think let's, so we have a lot to talk about and we're going to talk about the thing that we're launching um, in a few moments, but let's just, as we always do, just talk through our, our first phase. We'll spend a few minutes on that, some rugby news from the past week and then get into it. Um, you were actually the bra- the brains behind this one, which is trying to get collective nouns for the different positions. And yeah, there were some quality um, responses here. So I think one thing that I've realized is that people hate scrum ops. I think that's the main <laughs> issue here. <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of abuse. Eh? I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, reading this. This was this was funny. This is why we invented first phases for for banter like this. I reckon. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it, it also was a good way of testing my high school English um, skills and being able to remember all of these like um, collective noun thingies that we did in high school. But yeah, no, it was great. And, and the people really participated in it. Shout out to our dirt trackers. You guys really did well. But yeah, let's go through some of the best ones. I mean, I think it, it doesn't really get much better than a shithousery of scrum offs. It was gold. Absolute gold. <laughs> that uh, we need to put that into the urban dictionary. It needs to be a thing. And uh, yeah, we just move on. Who was it that sent that? So that was from Dean Kitzman, who also had a brawl of hookers. Great. A troop of fly yes. halves. I think more wings or troops, but it's fine. And then a lumbering of locks, which is great. Yes. Yeah, that was, that was good. There were some good ones. Uh, the, the, everyone hates the scrum halves. And the other one was um, some of the fly halves were, were got also a little bit of a bit of banter more on, on their looks. I can't <laughs> remember what it was, but it was also funny. Yeah, I think the other um, position that was getting a, um, a lot of um, responses was the hookers. So obviously, you know, you've got a street corner of hookers. I mean, for obvious reasons. <laughs> A brawl of hookers, as I've mentioned, a, a, a murder of props, not hookers at this stage. But yeah, that's also really good. But actually, the front row friends have, have, a, lot of, um, have a lot of love here. A pie of props. Yes, a that was great. A stampede or a buffalo of props is also really good. Yeah, I enjoyed the pie because, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm me, I'm a, I'm a casual, I'm a, I belong to a drinking club with a rugby problem. So like that's, that's really, that's, <laughs> that's right up my alley. That's exactly how I see props in my life. Not it's these elite pushing machines. They're just more <laughs> drinkers and eaters. Look, fair enough. I was actually listening to um, an interview that the Aotearoa rugby pod was doing with um, Tamaiti Williams, who was obviously he's the massive prop, young prop from New Zealand. 
who's 1.9 meters tall and he's now only 130 kilograms because he lost Just. 10 kilograms during the course of the season. <laughs> yes, because he's flipping finding out what test rugby is all about. So he's grafting a lot harder. <laughs> only 130. Yeah, that's like, madness. Oh, he's like, yeah, I've slimmed down. I was like, that is not slimming down. So. <laughs> <laughs> or to anyone else, that's not a slimming down. Exactly. Yeah. So going through some of the other great responses, um, we have a key of locks, which I think is a good um, play on words there, and a door of locks um, from Martin Prinsloo. Um, Rion Lowe, just talking about a plague of flankers because they're too many. I think that's especially true in the South African case. And a blessing of tens. You'll, we would love a blessing of tens right now. That that is, and, that is, and when I saw that, I knew it had to have been a South African. Because <laughs> we we've been hunting hunting a, a few tens. We want to be we want to be in that position where we are with flankers and wingers at the moment. We're like, I'm sorry, but we have to leave someone at home as opposed to we're in trouble. <laughs> hey, let's take all of this um, annoyance of 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 um, of scrum offs instead. So exactly another another good one was an exasperation of wingers, which I thought was really good because yeah, sometimes for good and bad reasons, they leave you really exasperated when you're watching them. <laughs> a diffusion of fullbacks is from Liam Morham. I'm not sure about that was a great diffusion one. of fullbacks. Oh, explain that one for me. Oh, I, I, just, I just enjoyed it. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> what are they diffusing? What's happening? Uh, there could be a number of things. I mean, oh, like about I said, all diffusing those bombs, bombs. All those bombs that you're ah. dropping in on them. Yeah. Ah, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. I, yeah. I wasn't understanding that, but that actually, that's really good. Oh, that's really cool. Like, yeah, yeah the was, light bulb has come clear. on to my... But, I mean, you know, that's not like... that Because I also read it now. That was my first thought, but I thought, mm, maybe I'm misunderstanding what the word is. Mm. We, need, we need our English, uh, our English teachers to, uh, to DM us and abuse us for our lack of knowledge yeah we're not doing well we're not doing our our english teachers well shout but out to we inventing Crockett. um yeah we we're inventing this so we're making so we can make any word we want that's the way i look at it so diffusion of fullbacks like they're just diffusing all the bombs that are coming through so we that's mm. um, that's my story and i'm sticking to it like we've got to go hard fair enough yeah, so Sean, I think that's, yeah, that was a great contribution from our dirt trackers. Yeah, that is our first phase. We always have one at least once a week to try and, yeah, like, like you said, Sean, just to hear the, the great banter that um, our rugby fans have. And yeah, now we have to transition into, or let's transition first into some good news. Let's, let's stick with the good news vibes for now because a Springbok team has been announced for Saturday's test against um, Wales. I don't think we'll be recording another podcast this week. So this is going to be just our chance to talk about that for a few moments. So um, Jacques Nienaba has announced a very strong Springbok squad to face Wales in the warm-up game this weekend. Good news is the returns of Sia Kulisi, um, Jaden Hendrickson, uh, and Oxen Che. So they are all in the 23. You have um, Kulisi and Hendrickson starting. You have pretty much most of our first choice players, maybe apart from the experimentation at lock with Klein and Achies Neyman um, resuming their, their partnership from Munster. And then on the bench, you have um, the likes of um, Oxen Che on the bench, Franco Mostert is, is reserved for the locks. And then you have two backline players, Grant Williams and Damien Willemser. 
yeah, Sean, I'm pretty happy with the squad. Um, I think we need cohesion as much as possible. So I was like, either we do full cohesion and try to pick our best side, or we protect everyone just given the entries. And we'll talk about that just in a few moments. But yeah, I think there's a good side. Hopefully we can, I mean, the main priorities is that Colisi especially, but also Hendrickson and Che can come out of this match unscathed. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving this squad. There's, um, that is a massive pack, massive. Um, mm. And the thing is, it, this really does have first choice 15 about it. I know, I know there are mm. a couple of other guys that will come back and you can argue a few positions, but it does have that vibe about it. Like it, it doesn't look like someone is just getting a run for shits and giggles um, or to try out whatever. So I, I, I'm loving the clan Snaman combo um, in the locks. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to see that work. I think, you know, we all want Snaman to be off the bench for his impact and everything, but he needs some more time in his legs. And I'd like the combo together to work because that could be a great option for us. Um, that could essentially be a second, a second choice lock pairing. That could be like a first choice, kind of like our our front rows from 2019. It didn't matter which one you started; they were going to just hurt mm. people regardless. Um, yeah, I'm super happy with the loose chair. Khaleesi coming back, I mean, was it 116 days or something? It's flipping incredible. Yes. I'm obviously just freaking out. Like, I just want him to be okay. But um, Peter Seftator and Jasper Vissa together again, that, that loose chair I like. Vissa's got a massive role to play in the World Cup, um, regardless of his form. So we, we need him back um, and playing. Um, I'm glad that Jaden Hendricks is back. This backline looks a little bit like they might be kicking a little bit, but I've been saying that the whole year. Maybe that's kind of just my conservative default approach and that they haven't done it. So interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm very surprised that Colby's on the left wing. Very, actually. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him play there properly. Um, yeah, midfield is pretty easy. I think they moved Colby over to give him some some game time um, and also um, to and allow for Kenan Moody to start. Um, yeah. there's, there's a guy that's like, has really bashed down the door. Um, you know, I'm very happy to see him playing. He's got so many options in the back line. A lot of people talking about him being a future book 13. So yeah, give him some game time. If he's there, let it happen. But yeah, I think like, I'm so glad that Oxen chair is back. I must be honest. I really didn't expect him to come back. I'm very surprised when he was announced in the Springbok squad. I clearly misunderstood um, his injury. I thought, can't remember who it was that had a pec injury before, but they were like out for yonks. So I'm not, we're not so sure about um, why I thought he was like really out out, but we need him. It's great to have him back. Franku, again, same conversation as Jasper Visser. He's got a massive role to play in the World Cup, so he's got to get going. Marco van Staden's earned his space. Dwayne Vermeulen is going to come on and rip up trees. And William's back from his head knock, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. We've gone 6-2 with Williams and Willemse. Willemse, very interestingly, has kind of moved back into our first choice 23 if we're naming a 6-2 again, you know. Um, mm. The former Vili has really kind of cancelled out Willemse starting at 15. Um, but we've got options there. And then obviously Williams can cover, you know, wing and, and nine. So, yeah, all in all, I'm very happy. I love it. There are guys there that need time and we want to see, but we are starting to gain momentum. And I think we're going to probably, I really think we're going to name a full team squad against the All Blacks. Um, I think we have to, but we'll wait and see. But 
yeah, exciting, exciting team and not too predictable. Yeah, I think yeah, this match is more about just gaining momentum. I think big things to also see and like at least things that I'm watching out for. Um, Sneiman with managing the lineout. I mean, yeah, this is maybe an audition for him to try and play or try to get the number five jersey because um, Diarth is obviously not in the Springbok squad. So I want to see how he runs the lineout, how he works with Malcolm Marks. I mean, look, the Welsh lineout has been terrible in these warm-up games, but yeah. They, so it might be an easier task for Snayman in this game. But yeah, I want to see how he runs the line out and see if there's any issues. So yeah, that's an opportunity for him. Um, and then the other thing is just building a combination between Lubok and um, Damon Dialendi. Because, yeah. I mean, they've barely played with each other. And I mean, Lubok obviously has barely been a springbok. So between him and Hendrickson and him and Damien, hopefully there's a bit more cohesion between those, those, uh, those three because it seems like Lubok and, and Vili are on the same page, which is obviously fantastic. And we know, obviously, the, the DLND-Creole combination is great. And you know, Vili has a good understanding of the back three. It's just that 19-12 that we need to nail, I think, for the, for the World Cup. So I think the more game time that those three can have together, the better. And yeah, I think then, I mean, as we've talked about before, when we talked about the squad announcement, I think the number five and the number nine jerseys are very much up, up for grabs. And you, maybe arguably the wing positions are somewhat up for grabs as well. I think Kanan Moody's been given almost a trial here to go, look, if you perform well, there's no reason why you can't be the number four team when we play Scotland. I also think that Moody could very comfortably fit onto, um, into player 23 and a 6-2 um, eventually. Mm. But I think for this this World Cup or the two quieter games, he could get a chance um, in in that jumper. But it all depends on on everywhere else. And I'm glad you mentioned the the Lubok Larue axis. I'm very excited to see how that goes um, and to see how they if they continue with with hard work because I thought it worked really well. Um, you know, we've had one dud on that, and that wasn't with Lubok, um, but with uh, Willemser and Larue and how they how they I believe that was a game plan situation. I think they got that they were learning something and probably got it wrong, but it seems to be working now. So yeah, that should be exciting. Yeah, so I think I think more than the results, Sean, honestly, I just want to see us get into a rhythm. So yeah, I think we need to just get into our phases, like make sure that we can, you know, play multi-phase rugby, that we're kicking well, that there is some structure to the game. Yeah. So they I don't want to say excuses, but the obviously having we had like forty odd people in the squad and the constant changes that's now gone because we just need to see that this team is coming together because as we've seen in the warm up games Scotland will be <laughs> at top form judging by their games against France and we know how good Ireland is so we need to hit the World Cup running so yeah I, I mean we know that a Wales game is usually a very dour affair when we face Wales and we usually know that it's going to be like a 12-13 type of game but I really don't, don't mind that as long as we're playing well hopefully it's not sort of the the 12-13 or whatever the results were from the England-Wales games because they, those have been absolutely terrible yeah yeah so then let's go into then the sad news for um for the that's come out now number one is well probably a star or who would have been a star in this rugby world cup Ramin Tamak 
has um, torn his ACL, so he's going to be out for the Rugby World Cup, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it happened during the France-Scotland game, which France narrowly won 30 points to 28. And yeah, he was just trying to tackle Finn Russell. I think he just was a bit too upright, so he just landed awkwardly. I was thinking because he walked off the field on his own power that he should be fine. But yeah, it's obviously the worst news for, for France and for, for himself as well. Misses out on a home World Cup. Yeah, I... So the strangest thing happened um, when I saw that injury. I actually rewound it and watched it slowly because just the way everything happened, it just looked to me like he did his knee. And I put on one of um, one of my rugby groups that that I think he's done a ligament there. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how I saw it or why I saw it. I'm not a doctor or anything, but it just just the mechanics and the way it went uh, just like just didn't look right. It was such an odd thing. He was. It was funny. He was kind of moving outwards and then Russell straightened mm. and then he straightened. But as he straightened, it was just the way that his knee was at that specific time and the way his body moved and just popped, man. But yeah, flipper, that's, fuck, that sucks. It's really so bummed when I saw that. And then obviously um, uh, they, who, they also lost a prop. There's just like hundreds of oaks that are dropping. We could probably make a great World mm-hmm. 15 of, of players that are injured already. <laughs> As we speak, and this is before the World yeah. Cup started. So, yeah. So, Demba Bomba's out. He's been replaced in the World in their um, training squad. Cyril Bai is going to be out at least for four to six weeks. So, he's in that zone, I guess, that you call it the Pollard Arm zone of do you put him in the squad or do you stick him out and then hope he recovers? So, we're going to see how that develops in the next few weeks. Um, yeah, just staying on the track of injuries. Jack Van Poorfleet is also out, so he's been replaced by Alex Mitchell. Um, that was an NL yeah, one, eh? I, I, yeah, uh, it, it, that, yeah. You saw just how he got caught there. That looked like that looked like to me. That was like, yep, that's that's either a whole tournament or just a massive sprain, and you're missing four or five weeks. But flip, man, mm. that's also such a bummer. Very interesting. They've brought in Alex Mitchell. I'd like to know what they're going to do with the balance of their nines now. Um, I think Danny Kerr, I think Danny Kerr has been leapfrogged. I'd prefer him to play more, but I think Mitchell leapfrogs him. Mm. No, I, I, I would have had Mitchell on my original squad. I think he would have been perfect for number 21, like as a reserve um, scrum off for either Bumpor Fleet or Youngs. So I think that's, in some ways, a bit of an improvement. So there's a bit of a silver really? lining. And I mean, even back, yeah, I mean, I, he's he's really good, like when the game's nice and open. So I, I like that for him. And I think he's, honestly, I think he can do the sort of balance of the tactical game that Borthwick is doing more so than Danny Kerr can. You know, I, I'm never, I've never been sold on him. Um, like I hmm. haven't, I haven't, yeah, I haven't rated him highly. Um, I thought, I thought like he, when he got like his England debut and everything, I was like, cool, well done. Um, like try and kick on from there, try and see what you can do. But I just, yeah, I don't, I don't rate him that highly. I'd, I'd much, I'd much rather Danny Kerr was more in the Mm. mix. I'm a big fan of Danny Kerr. I'd prefer him, but I tell you, (laughs) I know I said it a long time ago, but Willie Hines and I, when, when England, um, like dropped him out of the squad a long time ago. And then he fell out of favor. I thought that was a mistake. And I think that kind of went between Hines and, uh, and Youngs with, with two old buddies and then trying to figure out who they're going to go with. 
but I really England could really do with the with the Willie Hines. But I suppose he's a little old now. Even now, it would have been a bit too much, maybe. But uh, he's still playing. But uh, yeah, I just I haven't I haven't <laughs> seen it in Mitchell. Eh? I haven't I haven't yeah, seen it. I yet. don't think you can. Have, so we'll see. You can't kind of all three of those. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity there. I mean, look, if England England has what had eight years under well Jones and then Borthwick and they've landed on the two scrum offs that they had in 2011, 2015. So that's not really good. Um, yeah. And very quickly, Sean, um, Mathieu Jalibert, do you think, you know, he could do the job for them for France to still win this World Cup? He's going to have to. But yeah, no, I, I do think he can. I actually have no doubt about it. To, to be honest, he was putting in, he was putting his hand up. He was a massive shoe in for, for first choice fly half for France last year. And um, Intermark was slightly out of form. Wasn't he coming back from injury? There was one, and I just thought Jelly Bear was, mm. either way, Jelly Bear was outperforming him in the top 14. And, um, and I just, now's his chance. Ironically, now uh, Intermark's in definitely way better form and outperforming him. But the, having said that, it's not like it's like a massive difference. It's not like a, um, a top 14 versus a Curry Cup difference. You know, they, um, they, he'll do just fine. Just fine. Interesting. I wonder what yeah. France are going to do. Um, whether they're going to stick with um, Jalibert and Hastoy as their two tens, and then bring Seren in because he can cover ten. Um, I think he deserves. He's in great form. He deserves a, an option. Otherwise, they're going to go with three yeah. uh, with three tens. But but Jalibert definitely first choice fly half now without a doubt. Unless they go. Typical French and go absolutely off the charts and and put Dupont at ten, mm. but um, I be honest, I don't see that happening. I think they're not in that much shit to do that. Um, Jalibert is perfectly comfortable and perfectly capable to to cover ten. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Ramos also could be an option as well. Um, that can play a bit of ten. We did on Saturday, for example. So I think yeah, I I, I don't see another ten being drafted, and I think it'll be. Um, Jalibé Nastoy as the first two choices and then Ramos, Saran, Dupont can also step in if and when need. I'm sure Makalu can play 10. I mean, we know Thibaut Flamand can play 10 as well. Because Sean, do you know? <laughs> I'm not even going to do it. I can't. But yeah, I, they'll have enough cover at 10, I think. I was, I was listening. I was like, ooh, what, am I, what must I know? And then I, I realized. <laughs> I'm not, I, I, can't, I can't do it again. I'm sure there'll be many opportunities in the World Cup to do that. But Sean, I think let's go into the main course of this. Um, oh, actually, one more bit of news. Unfortunately, I've, I almost forgot it. It was so bad. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, all I need to say is Owen Farrell did an Owen Farrell. I mean, you know, we're, as, as Rugby Bits podcast, we're a podcast that loves and supports fans in most things. But yeah. We know that our guy does love uh, a shoulder charge here and there. So he did it on Saturday again, got a red card. There was a yellow card upgrade to red in the bunker. And we thought at least a four-week ban because obviously he's been banned for this before, including just earlier this year. And yeah, the decision came out from the disciplinary committee and they gave him zero weeks, zero games. No ban for Owen Farrell. And as you can imagine, yeah, social media. I've never seen rugby Twitter be on pretty much in unison about how terrible something is. So yeah, you you know then, even most English people, you know then that 
yeah, World Rugby has messed this one up. Yeah, it's a shocker. Um, it's, um, oh. you know, I, I tell you the one thing, like I, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of Owen Farrell. I think he's a great rugby player, but there's no doubt about it. His tackling technique's diabolical. Um, he's done this often. But I, I just want to, I do want to say something. There's no ways that he made this decision. So how do how do we go from having the decision being made on the field to having a disciplinary appeal, a panel coming out so horrendously wrong, like a polar opposites? And yeah, it's it's a shocker. And personally, I I feel that they they knew that if they deemed it a red card, they would have to ban him. And he's banned. I checked up on it, but it looked like his ban would probably be about six weeks. So I don't think there was any way because of his previous disciplinary mm. issue and having attended tackle school, there was no ways that they could make it a red card and then mitigate it down from a week, from a week ban point of view. So they would have to have gone with a minimum of six weeks. And I think that the moment got too much for them. I think they buckled under that and then, then went completely like rogue and have deemed it not even like they've deemed it a yellow card, an on-field yellow card, which means there's no ban, no nothing. That's, that's my thought process behind it. And everyone hates Owen Farrell. South Africans hate him and they just like blah, 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 shoulder boy. But this isn't his decision. <laughs> these, all these decisions are not his. Like every single time he's being let off, it's not his decision. What the hell's going on? Like how? I'm so disappointed. I'm so, like, I just like lost so much faith. I've seen now that it's not world rugby. It's, it's actually this whole thing has been handled by the Six Nations Committee. So it's not world rugby. But world rugby have the opportunity to appeal it, which they have done in the past. I can't remember for who, mm. but they have done it. But then another mm. conspiracy theory is they're not going to appeal it because all of these people that were on the panel now are actually on the world, on the rugby world cup disciplinary panel. I mean, fuck, we can't make this shit up. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy theory. I'm just saying <laughs> that like the opportunity to do the right thing has been absolutely destroyed. And it all comes down from a shit decision previously and previously and previously. Like there's a few shit decisions that have come to this. I'm telling you now, the decision around this was made about with the thought of him missing the World Cup. It's absolutely influenced it. And that has, become, has come because of the poor action taken previously from different groups, granted. One was from the Premiership. Another one was, now this one's from the Six Nations. But no, man, we can't be doing this. We can't. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, have you seen Sean? I don't know if I mean I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter that um George Moala, who had a red card against um Canada um Ten earlier weeks. this week, um he it was for a tip tackle. I haven't seen a tip tackle like that in ten in about ten years. And yes, like you said, he got ten weeks banned for that. Crazy. It's when last did you see a ten week ban? When last? Even for someone who has maybe done something like that before. Not for foul play. We've seen it for mm. other stuff. Like, what is going on? And it's a, it's a tip tackle. He hasn't driven him. So uh, for those who hasn't see, haven't seen it, it's all over Twitter, so please go and hunt it down. But 
He's basically smashed the guy, hit him hard, and then stood up and then twisted him and then just dropped him. And he's dropped him. It looks like he's landed on his head shoulder. I don't know. But I, I didn't see it close enough. But it's a bad, it's a bad tackle. It's a red card and it's definitely a suspension. Definitely. Ten weeks. No, no, no. Like literally every single thing I said before that on Owen Farrell, I'm basically want to say the same thing again. Like how the beep, how do you get there? Like 10 weeks. Are you joking with me? <laughs> yeah. So that is the terrible news. So today at Rugby Bits headquarters, we are launching something completely new. We are going to launch what we are calling the Rugby Bits 50. And these are the 50 best players, according to us, you know, slightly knowledgeable people at Rugby Bits. These are the 50 best men's players in the world at the moment. And this counts all of their form from in, in this World Cup cycle. So from after the, the last World Cup up until now, we are not considering if people are injured or not. We are just trying to establish who are the 50 best rugby players in the world right now. So we asked Jared Cooks, Sean and myself to all have a short list of the five best players in each position. So five best loose heads, five best tight heads, five best tight head locks and loose head locks and, and so on and so forth. And then through a point system, we ranked then those from those rankings. We took who are the top three and these are going to be well, 45 of the 50 players, because obviously there's 15 players on the field times three. That's 45. That's quick maths for you. And then we're going to have five wild cards that we're going to round up our list on. So, Sean, are you ready? Because you have not even, oh, well, no one in rugby, but apart from myself, sees what the final results are. So, Sean, you're also going to hear <laughs> the, the, the finalists and, and who are the, the players here for the first time as well. So are you ready for that? Oh, I am pumped. Yeah, and you know what? I just want to say, I completely misunderstood the brief. I'm listening to your intro and I'm thinking, we've really got this wrong. Like, what is going on? I thought we were picking the best 15, but we're picking the top 50. So this is all brand new for me. So I just, <laughs> so I just want to tell all the listeners out there that while you're listening to this for the first time, so am I. <laughs> oh, no clue. I'm, okay, let's I do this. <laughs> I mean, I, I had one of those big silent laughs, actually. That's why you probably couldn't hear from me for a little bit. But Sean, you know what? It, it all worked out well in the end. I will ask you, which position do you want to start with? Oh. Do you want to start with backs or do you want to start up front? No, let's start up front. Okay. I've got to get in the groove. I want to warm up before I get to the main event, which is the backs, obviously. Okay. Of course it is. Okay, so let's here, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you which players scored, like players that were featured in each of our lists, and then I'll give you the top three at the end. Okay, so Good. for the Lucid prop, that is the number one. That is, you know, the, the number one in the field, number one in our hearts, et cetera, et cetera. So people that scored points <laughs> on this. So this is their form from 2019, 3rd of November, up until now. People that scored include James Slipper. He scored. Um, Rory Sutherland, um, Pierre Schumann, so both Scottish loose head props. When Jones has scored, Ethan Dot has also scored, Oxen Chair, Angus Bell, and Guillaume Gorgashvili, the Georgian prop that um, also plays for, I believe it's Toulon, right? Um, you've, yeah, like I said, I'm also hearing this for the first time. 
You caught me, <laughs> caught me by surprise there. And Andrew Porter. So the person that missed out on the top three, the nearest to the top three was Ethan DeGroot. And the top three is Ellis Genge at number three, um, Cyril Bayer number two, and Stephen Kitzolf, who was top in all of our lists, <laughs> clear first place. Um, so he, he is the top loose head there. So the three people making on the list was Kitzolf, Cyril Bayer, and Ellis Genge. What do you think, Sean? What's your reaction to that? Brilliant. Absolutely. If I knew anything about, about, um, about the front rows, because judging by my list, which we shouldn't share because it make me look like an idiot, <laughs> which I am, we all know. But uh, yeah, you, you're 100% right. If I'd actually just got my props in the right positions firstly and thought about England players, because I don't think I've, I've got one English player in mind. But um, the, yeah, but bang on. I don't think you can argue too much with that. I tell you, the, the only one that I've heard so so about is Ellis Genge like a lot of guys like the, you know to use a Tyler term like he's on fraud watch every now and then but I don't think so like I think he I think he does I think he does well I think he, des- he deserves it um but yeah from a technical point of view I wouldn't know <laughs> but I think that's a I think it's a yeah. great list I think Genge if scrumming was not a thing he'd be probably close to the top I think he'd probably even supersede the spicy plum because obviously he's just brilliant around the field. I mean, he, Eddie Jones in that um, Six Nations game in 2022 against France, he used him as an eighth man. Remember when he was running up those kicks? Yes. Yes, 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 I remember. <laughs> Flipper, I forgot about that. So, yeah, no, he's a complete baller, but um, yeah, I think the scrumming probably takes him down. But I think Kinsolf is a good mix of those two things. I mean, Cyril Bai is not too bad himself, but Kitsov, obviously, we know how good he is up front in the scrums. And, you know, we know how good he is around the field as well. Has maybe not the silky ball skills that maybe a Genj or a Bai has, but we know that he gets a turnover to a game himself. So, yeah, he's a worthy number one, I think. And, yeah, so then let's go into hooker. So we go to the number twos. People that scored here, much less than the, the loose heads. We only have four other people that scored. Um, Samsoni Takiaho got a point. We got um, Jamie George who featured as well. Mongi Manambi also featured. And then Julian Montoya was the one that just missed out. So he was on the cusp. The top three, probably not too much of a surprise. Are Malcolm Marks at first. And then a tie between Dan Sheehan and Julian Marchand, who are yeah, obviously two great um, hookers there from France and Ireland. Yeah, I think what this shows us, at least from the four of us, is that we value, obviously, hookers that are good with their set piece, and all three of them are fantastic with their set piece. Sheen, I think, hasn't, I think, has only been turned over once in a lineout or something like that in, in, in the two years he's played Test Rugby. But also, we know how great those three are, especially around the field as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> great shot. Just for the listeners, um, the dirt trackers out there, I had all three of those. Just want to tell you as my top three. So. <laughs> I'm I'm slowly working my way back into the front row union friendship group, but yeah, I was I was actually a little bit tentative about Shin because I a little later down the line I'm sure I excluded someone because they hadn't played enough Test rugby and Shin's only played for two years, but mm. I think that just purely how he's hit the international scene, how comfortable he's looked, he's he's been brilliant. He's actually he's up there. I know we had this chat a while ago, like. Which rugby players in the world have been have been test match ready from the get go? And obviously, mm. Ivan Etzebeth is one of them. 
But Dan Sheehan, I don't think he's put a foot wrong in test rugby. Um, and he, the only yeah. reason why he didn't get a start and played more is because, um, uh, oh, shit, man, I forget his name. George Best was there. But George Best. <laughs> uh, Ronan um, Kelleher, I think. And who, oh, man. Anyway. Yes, now, I've, now I'm out of the front row group again after that. I was doing so well. <laughs> you mean, you're talking about Kelleher, right? Ronan Kelleher. No, not Kelleher. Best, uh, Irish hooker. Rory captain. Best. Rory, yes. Jesse, <laughs> George. York. George, oh my goodness, not a footballer. <laughs> I know. So, um, so, yeah, that's why I was a little bit tentative about Sheen, but I, I'm glad that everyone else picked him also. But I just thought on the parameters I was a little bit sketchy on it, but he really has like flipping, I wouldn't say dominated, but he's going to dominate Test Rugby. He's just been comfortable, super comfortable for a youngster at hooker of all places. Yeah, I think he's just yeah, come into the team really well. Kelleher was the incumbent and then he got injured. And then since then, Sheen has decided that that number two shirt for Ireland and Leinster is his. And I don't think he's going to give it away anytime soon. Malcolm Marks, obviously, we've known how good he is for the last you know, almost eight years now. He's been fantastic. Julien Marchand, I think he's near the top of like important players for France. And you know, especially now that Cyril Bay has a bit of an injury concern, I'm, I'm sure Julien Marchand, he's pretty much their main like threat in the rucks as well. So yeah, looking forward to seeing him in the Rugby World Cup. So let's move to the tight heads, um, you know, the anchors of the scrum. So people that scored include Carl Sinclair, got a, got a, got a bit of love. Terrell Lomax, the New Zealand tight head. Vipian Nell got a bit of love too. Vincent Koch, um, obviously the reserve tight head for the Springboks. The one that just missed out was Taniela Tupo, but he was quite far off the top three, which are France Malherbe, which is obviously expected, the Springbok tight head. Um, Todd Furlong, the Irish um, tight head slash outside center. And then Vini Antonio, who's, you know, whatever, what do you, what do you call him? An oil tanker there at a tight head. So those are the top three. You, what do you think of that, Sean? Yeah, brilliant. But who's number one? You gave us the top well, three, well, but I don't know in what order. Oh, number one is Franz Malanba. Uh, okay. I thought so. Um, yeah, that's a great shot. Like you, nobody would ever complain about having those three guys in your squad. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, some massive human beings as well, eh? Let's be honest. Jeez. Yeah, and both of them, I mean, yeah, all three of them, obviously really good at scrumming. Furlong adds a little bit of extra there around the park, but we know, obviously, the role that Mel Herbert uh, plays in the Springbok defensive structures. And then Antonio's just, yeah, he's just massive, man. <laughs> I don't think there's much else to say apart from that man is big. Yeah, big. And he seems to get around. He's always having a jaw. Yeah. So France doesn't look like go. he's having a good time. Winnie looks like he's having a, a jaw all the time. <laughs> Have you ever seen France, France work on that? No, shame. He's always shame. And I think that's why people think he's like unfit or whatever. He always looks like he's <laughs> like just run like 200 meters, like at a sprint. And yeah, but he somehow gets through all of the work that he does on the field. So it must be working. Yeah. Okay, so let's move to the locks. Um, so we go for our four lock, usually the tight head lock. I mean, yeah, there's a bit of a mix between the two of us from from uh from the people voting. But I think Sean, what I'm gonna do for the locks, I'm just gonna present the top six and then we can discuss it from there. 
So people that missed out or got a bit of mentions were Achis Neyman got a vote, but obviously he hasn't really played that much rugby this year or these last four years. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's literally just woken up for Rugby World Cup years. I mean, yeah, that's great for him. Um, Ian Henderson got a bit of love. Thomas Lavanini and Adam Beard, Adam Beard the, the Welsh lock. Cameron Walkie got some love. Brodery Talek, I think a bit surprisingly, um, also didn't make it. Thibaut Flamand, um, obviously Longborough's finest at, at fly half, but he's got <laughs> votes for lock here. I did mention it. The players that just missed out, and they missed out on very few points, were Lua Diacha and Tug Byrne. So I'm sure both <laughs> sets of fans from South African Island will be unhappy about that. But yeah, let me tell you the top six. I'll tell you it in order. Ebenezer Beth is number one of the locks. He's top of the locks. Number two is Sam Whitelock. Number three is Scott Barrett, who's playing obviously brilliantly right now. Number four is James Ryan, the kingpin for the Irish pack and the Leinster pack. Number five is Mario Toje. Um, obviously, maybe not as good right now, but has been good throughout the four years. Then number six, just sneaking ahead of Byrne and Lurt was um, Paul Willemsen, um, the lock for France and for Montpellier. So I think Willems is probably a bit of a surprise there, Sean. Well, you see, now I'm very confused because, like, to me, you've named four and five locks there. Like, I don't... Uh, yeah, so I just Sam, put them together. Sam Whitelock's... Sam... Oh, okay. I get it. I thought, I thought you were naming... Because Sam Whitelock's a five. So I'm, mm. like, for me, for me, yeah. He doesn't... And Willems is a five as well. And so is James Ryan. So then you're gonna to have to yeah. take this. I'll just nod and smile along the way. As long as Eben <laughs> and Eben and Marrow are the best number fours in the world, um, by by far in my world, in my books. The frustrating thing is that, as I've learned now, also different countries, basically their yes. big lock is sometimes. I think we're the only ones that have it as the number four. Most other countries have their big lock as the number five lock, or maybe it's a southern northern hemisphere thing. So. The Even tallest as locks the, are the fives. The enforcer. Yeah. Yes. And they're usually the ones I'll that run you, the lineouts. Cooks, Cooks and Jared are, are, are freaking out while they're listening to this. Hi, guys. You know, you guys <laughs> should have been here, but you weren't. So now you get to listen to this carnage. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, like all the, tall, all the tall locks are fives for me and uh, number two jumpers and hard workers. Well, not that the other guys aren't, but... Are the number four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but that was, I think people that running, yeah, yeah. I think people that play four lock in that list are Etzebeth, Scott Barrett, and Mario Toje, and then the people that yeah. play five lock are White Lock, Ryan, and Willemsa. But they all 100%. have really different. They all have different roles in their teams because yes, I think yes. Willemsa isn't necessarily the lineout general in the French team. And um, Whitelock is, on, on the other hand, and Etoji is also a line-out general, but Ryan is more now, James Ryan is more of the enforcer for Byrne being the, the line-out general. So yeah, there's, I think you, you have a bit of variance there because of this yeah, stupid thing with the rugby jerseys. But yeah, you think that's going to be fine. You'll see with the flanks that, that <laughs> it only gets crazier <laughs> after that. <laughs> because this is the one, this is the one place where, where South Africa is completely different. So I was trying to swap things over and, oh, yeah. anyway, we're going to have, we're going to have a jaw here. So let's start with the blindside flanks. Actually, uh, also a lot of competition here. Um, funny enough, yeah. So the, 
a lot of names popped up here. Um, Antje Jelong was 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 mentioned. Um, Sebastian Negri, the blindside for Italy. Jamie Ritchie got some love. Theo McFarland, the Saracens and Samoa flanker as well. Quaker Smith got a vo- got some votes at blindside flank, which was quite surprising. Um, nice. And then the the person that just missed out was Peter Steph Dutoy at blindside, yes. and he missed he missed out very narrowly. But the top three there are Courtney Laws at number one. Oh, sorry, yes. Charles Olivon at number one. Apologies. Okay, nice. Courtney Laws at two. Scott so Barrett. Laws at two. And then Peter Omani at number three. So I, I, I've also got, I've also got War Dog there, War God. But um, I, I was very interested. Yeah, yes, yeah, I'm having a nightmare. Um, <laughs> so I'm interesting. I think Scott Barrett's probably better at blindside, but that is one of those quite contentious things because I've seen it almost seems like it's pretty evenly split where, whereas people think you should play, but flip, that's a great, mm. great set of uh, blind sides you got there. eh? Ooh, I can't believe Peter Steph missed out, but to be fair, if we did this between the 2015, 2019 cycle, Peter Steph probably would have been yeah. head and shoulders with, with Courtney laws. I think, um, um, Peter would have lost out, but, uh, yeah, you can't mm. really argue that. Eh? No, look, fair enough. I mean, I think Peter Steph, obviously, he hasn't really played that much, you know, all, cons- all things considered in the yeah. last four years. I mean, he missed out a little bit, and then form wasn't really good, and he had his struggles with his injuries. And he's now, I think, only starting now in this year to come back to that, like, world player of the year form that he had in 2019. So I think that's probably why. But yeah, he narrowly misses out to, yeah, I think three really class players. So not too many complaints there. Um, the open side flank will be very interesting, especially if you're one Eddie Jones and you'll find out why just now. So people that got votes were Sam Kane, the all black captain, Michele Lamaro, the Italy captain as well. Tom Curry got some love. Juan Martin Gonzalez. Um, he also got a few votes. Uh, Levani Botia, who probably also could qualify at center, but he got some love yeah. at, at flank as well. And then the person that just missed out was um, Francois Croix, who is obviously a really, really good player. The top three are the current world player of the year, Josh van der Fleer. Um, the person that maybe people think should have been world player of the year last year or two years ago, Sia Colisi. And then number three is someone that wasn't even good enough to make his own national team squad, Michael Hooper. He's injured, so you can't be like that. But Injured? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw that. I saw what you did there. Invert, um, inverted commas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great list. That's a phenomenal list. Um, yo, I just look at this like if I was picking a squad and I had them in my squad, would I be unhappy? <laughs> Definitely not. Very yeah, interesting I mean, trying to figure out who to put where though. Imagine, imagine having those three in your squad and deciding what you're going to do. And they, yeah, they kind of like three different types of open siders as well. Like, yeah. Now, I mean, not you can't say anyone is like, you know, a feature like Heinrich Brousseau. Like, all of them do a lot around the field. We know how great Panafli and Colisi are, especially with rucks, like attacking and defensive rucks and just getting there and clearing bodies. Hooper's obviously fantastic out wide, as is Colisi. We know that Josh Van der Fleer has been working on his carrying game for the last few years. And we know that Josh Van der Fleer has also been working on his throwing, as we saw in that um, test matching in Scotland where he was he reserved in at, at hooker there. So I think, yeah, all three of those probably had arguments to win World Player of the Year 
once in a while in the last few years. Yeah, definitely. What I'm exceptionally happy about is we're now moving on from eight until 15. Now, now I get to add all the value. Well, number eight actually was quite a clear run race. Basically, everyone had the same top three, but the fours and fives are very interesting. So some people that got votes in fours and fives include Jack Conan, um, Pablo Matera, Taulupe Falatau, uh, Rob Valentini, and Jasper Visa. But they were far behind the ultimate top three, which I think it goes almost without saying. Um, Audi Severe, number one. And then you have Greg Aldrich at number two, and then Kaylin Doris at number three. But they were all th- by far. Did all like, three of us sorry? pick that in that order? No. So it. Uh, so I was just about to say that everyone picked it in different orders, and they like the 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 number of points in this system that we've created. The number of points between those top three are the closest for any other than any other position group. So they're wow. only separated by just a few votes because one person or two people maybe put Ardi at number one. And Please name and shame who didn't put Ardi at number one. Please name I didn't put Ardi at number one. I, I, can, I can own up to that one. Oh, 100%. I don't... Greg Aldrich. I put Aldrich at number one. Oh. Okay, Actually, I think I'm the only... <laughs> I can look quickly, but I can say that I had Ardi one. I mean, sorry, I had Aldrich one, Doris two, and Ardi three. Only because Audi, let me explain. Only because <laughs> of just I th- <laughs> before I get killed. Only because I think I mean I think three of three of the all three of them are pretty much close to the top ten players in the world right now. But I think Audi's Audi sli- is a slightly less good eighth man than the other two because obviously the other two have played eighth man pretty much all their lives. So I w- I was just like Audi just by a little by a little comes behind. But I think, yeah, you can probably make arguments for any of those three. I'm sure Leicester Rugby Twitter will be pushing the case for Doris. Um, Greg Aldridge will obviously have his fans as well. And obviously we know how great Audi Sevier is. Yeah. Interesting. Just want to know where you sit in this, Tyler. That's all. No, I love, I love me some Audi, but <laughs> not as much as the rest of you guys, clearly. But look, I mean, yeah, I mean, Sean, I think the reason why you and maybe and others maybe have Audi at number one is just he's so good at so many things. Everyone would have him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still think that he, he'd probably start more people's World, world 15 at eight. Mm. Besides, no, fair enough. Someone's, someone's got a captain on your side. <laughs> Who do you think, uh, just a quick question, who do you think out of those three, because all three of them are brilliant um, in the rucks, which one would get you the winning turnover for a game? Audi. Of okay. those eight. Of those eight. I think, Audi, I think Audi Severe. That is the one, that is the one thing that uh, is probably hard to argue. Is like if you had to cast your mind back about like match match winning or, or match altering turnovers. I think Artie Sevier probably has his face on that on on that sticker more often than not. Eh? Okay, fair enough. And then what do you think the other two are good at? Oh I think I think Aldrit is is probably the best eight all round for for everything except Artie just beats him on that pilfering thing. And and I think uh, Aldrit's the better the better leader. Um, 
And then Kalen Doris is the best young gun, man. He's, he's on his way up, but I don't think he's mastered eight just yet. He's played a little bit around the loose trio. Um, I think he swapped a little bit between eight and blindside. I think eight's probably his be- best shot at the moment, but um, he's, he's kind of been there and thereabouts. I think Aldrich's the best out and out eight bar, bar, bar far. Um, but Artie's just poof, a beast. Okay. Well, interesting, interesting. Well, yeah, they are obviously number, the, the top three quite by far for a reason. So let's go into the back line. Sean, you can now get excited. We are starting now at scrum half. I mean, yeah, you won't get many points for guessing who is number one, but let's talk about the people that got some votes. Um, Connor Murray got a few votes. Um, after Clack got a vote or two. Um, I wonder, Dirt Trackers, who you think gave this vote for Tawera Kobalo? I, I won't give you too many guesses for that. <laughs> and he didn't play test rugby at all. I'm just saying. <laughs> Not not a single game. And no, not a single Nick game White. of Test Rugby, and he deserved it, eh? Yo. <laughs> and then Nick White, um, he was the he was he just missed the mark. But the top three are Antoine Dupont, obviously. He got 40, well, he got basically everyone, he was number one for everyone. And then Aaron Smith was number two for everyone as well. And then yeah, a bit of a fight between him. Um, between Nick White and this person, and this was Jameson Gibson Park, who just um, got past Nick White for number three. So I made a mistake there. White should have been my third, and Jameson Gibson Park should have been my fourth. Does that change it? Does that does that push White into the top three? That makes it a tie, which is very annoying. So thanks, Sean. Oh, well, that thanks. means that means the Aussie wins then, because he's a, a Australian A <laughs> on the alphabet, and he's he's third. And- <laughs> We do have, and we're going to discuss this afterwards, we do have places for five wild cards. I guess one of them has to now be one of the scrum Kabbalah. Offs. So fair enough. Oh, sorry. Okay. Not, not Kabbalah. <laughs> but let's, okay. I mean, I think we've talked many times about Antoine Dupont and how brilliant he is on this podcast. I mean, he literally kicked a ball flat on Saturday. So that shows you how just how much of a freak that man is. Um, Let's talk about Gibson Park because I think he's come almost out of nowhere because, I mean, five, ten years ago, he was playing Super Rugby and he was a okay scrum off there in New Zealand. And now he's suddenly one of the main characters for the best team in the world. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, very interesting. So him and, and Lowe, both, like, their international, their international start was... Like you kind of wondered, like, oh, was it was it worth their while bringing them in? You know, are they not better players and and all that sort of stuff? But yeah, Gibson Park is really, I think, where what they've done is with Farrell is they've really sort of mastered the plan around him and how and what his strengths are and the way he plays the game fits perfectly into what Farrell and Ireland need and want, and that has allowed him to to sort of continue that curve and he's obviously just uh, not only a great athlete but he's really driven because he's definitely grown like he's almost been playing like since he's become a test nine he's been working hard at playing better rugby to me it looks like once he became a test match player that that he really started working really hard on, on a lot of things so yeah i think that's the reason for for his move because I was very iffy with him in the in in the beginning, eh? and I didn't think that he was was that great. Um, 
I thought he was good. I thought he was definitely worth, worthy of a test call-up, but he's playing out of his socks at the moment. Yeah, I think he's just, and I think just the pace that he adds to the game as well for Ireland, like that's been the big difference. Like when he's on and when Ireland is running through there less than like two second racks, like he's just running around and causing absolute havoc. So he's yeah. tied with Nick White. So he'll take, or one of them takes the wild card spot. So all four of them are in. So yeah, for that quick amendment there from short. Um, let's go to our number 10s, the generals around the park. Um, votes for Dan Bigger, Paolo Garbisi, Andre Pollard got a bit of love as well. And then the two that were quite close to number three are Mr. Shoulders himself, Owen Farrell, and Finn Russell. But then the top three were a little bit clear of the rest. Um, number one is Jonathan Sexton, number two, Roman Tamak, and number three, Richie Boonga. Sure. That's, uh, that's, quite, that's quite something, eh? Um, I'm very surprised that Pollard got a little bit of love. Who was that? That was, that was Jared. Um, there's no, <laughs> I, there's no doubt that it was Jared. Hey, I think it was. Yeah. I, I believe yeah. it was. But all I'm going to say, Jay is, is Pollard didn't, didn't play great test rugby over the last four years. Otherwise he'd get some more love. So access denied <laughs> son. <laughs> and then, um, I think it's interesting just seeing Richie Monga. I, I don't think he would have been top or in the top three, but um, if this was done a year ago, but I think he's had a really good last like 12 or so months, like since the All Blacks turned around, he seems to also have been like really good at, at yeah, he's just mm. gotten consistent. There's no more drama between him and Bowden Barrett at 10. I mean, yeah, I think he's now the custodian of that jersey and now burden has been moved to 15 and yeah he's starting to put in that super rugby form into test rugby like we know how good he is with accelerating we know how much of a good playmaker he is and we know just he's bloody dangerous when he gets some space yeah he's uh he has made it made a bit of a move um but flip he's cooking at the right time for the world cup eh? <laughs> he's very comfortable and i hate it when he's comfortable yeah, and I think, yeah, well, that'll be one of the things that a team needs to fix. Unfortunately, as we talked about, Romantin Mark is not in the World Cup. But yeah, I think Jalibé, yeah, he can get some votes, I think, after this World Cup, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, he will. Okay, let's move to inside center. Uh, not oh, quite good. Are we not doing the wings? We're going to go to the wings, but oh, yeah. Sorry, I mean, it my, makes, bad. It's, my bad. It makes more sense to go to inside center than to go to number 11. But yeah, so inside centers that got votes, um, Nick Tompkins and Robbie Henshaw got some love, Bandiaki and, and Sione Tupilotu got some love, Jonathan Dante just missed out, and then the top three were Damien Dialendi, um, former World Rugby Player of the Year nominee, Samuel Krevi, and then Jordi Barrett um, got some love at inside center. I know, Sean, you voted for him at fullback, and we were discussing that before we recorded, that... I mean, Jordy's probably played more of a test rugby in the last four years at fullback, but now he's New Zealand's first choice inside centre. <laughs> so what do we do with that? I know. It's interesting. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I think the, the truth is, is that he's going to be playing 12. So he'll, he'll be a 12 that covers at 15 as opposed to a 15 that covers at 12. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's right that he, that he plays in that. 
but that's uh, that is a massive, massive group of tolls we've got there, and pretty. I mean, those are big. Those are big ball carriers. All three of them, flipping awesome. Yeah, but a bit of sleight of hand there as well. I mean, we know. Even though, uh, if you ask a South African fan, Damien can't pass or whatever. We know how good Damien is with with his passing and his distribution. Jordi, I think, has added a big di- dimension to the All Black um, midfield. Karevi's, I think, still coming back from that um, ACL injury he had last year, but he's slowly but surely getting together. I think his playmaking has improved, though. Yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, Karevi's got a bit of distribution and, and good carry about him. Um, he's just brought some kicking into his game. Um, and, and Jordy's now having to bring some heavier carries into his game, but he seems to have, have figured that out pretty well. And Damien, yeah, I'm super happy with him. The, he's shown a little bit of kicks in his, in his game, um, and mm. obviously distribution is there d- despite what most people say. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's a great group. I, I don't think many people can argue about that group, if we're honest. Yeah, I don't think so as well. But I will predict now that Sioni Tiripolo 2 is going to be near the top of this group in a year or so. He's got a I great, really, he's a really, great really kick great. pass run 12, eh? Great. Natural, yeah, natural, natural, natural. I think, yeah, I mean, look, Scottish people are not going to be happy with this top 50, but we'll get to that when we get there. But oh, I think he's going to the Scots. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I forgot to add that as one of the rules. I'm so sorry, guys. Oopsie. Sorry. Um, so, <laughs> let's speak about the outside centers. So um, players that got some love. We'll start with Hugh Jones. He got a few votes. Um, Naisa Levu and Semi Rajaja, both the Fijian outside center options. They got a few votes. Uh, Rico Yuani <laughs> did get a vote uh, in spite of Sean. Um, you've got um, Suteni, the Asa Center for La Rochelle and um, Samoa. And then just missing out is Len Ekitao, to my disappointment, but that's fine. The top three are still very good. You've got Gary Ringrose at number three, um, Gail Fico at number two, and then Lucanio um, pretty obviously at number one. That's, uh, that's quite something. I, if, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I think on this cycle alone, you probably find that that Fiku probably just edges Lukanya Am into first place, but ah. you're not going to find a bunch of South Africans voting for that, so we won't. So Lukanya Am's number one. I voted for is, that. What? Yes, <laughs> bro. You've just been ejected. Um, but yeah, that's that's quite something. Listen, I think the truth. Is, how many guys voted Ringrose as number one? By the way, none. Did anyone? None. I. I think he's probably a little hard done by. I think Ringrose probably, he's probably close to first, but definitely in second. But again, like, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. But when you're looking at it, I'm um, Fiku and Ringrose, it's really much of a muchness separating the two, to be honest. Like, it's really uh, the three, to be honest, you know? But yeah, that was fun. And, uh, and you said Rico, I, think- I, thought, I thought we were only doing wingers later. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, Ringrose, if this was based on, I think, on the last, like, 12 months or to 18 months, he might have been near the top, um, or at the top, actually. But, yeah, I mean, over the four years, 
Gelfico has been fantastic. He's been, I think, the yeah, almost the secret source for the French. And then, yeah, I think Lucan Yuan plays a similar role for, for the Springboks as well. They just, yeah, if you need the attack to get going, that's the two people to get the ball to. And if you need a big defensive read, again, those are the two people that you can call up yeah, as well. Yeah. Sean, now you are in the business and we are talking about the wings. So, yeah, obviously, once again, there's a bit of disagreement as to who's a left wing and who's a right wing. So I think I will just say who the wings have got the top six votes and then we can just sort out from there. Happy with that? Go for it. Okay, so people that got votes included um, Gabin Villiers, uh, Severis, Kirtley Arantza, uh, Josh Adams, Darcy Graham, and then the people that just missed out were um, Louis Rizamant got a bit of love and Marika Korobete. And then the, the six wingers that were chosen, I'm, I'm sure yeah, they've all played. Oh, and also, just almost forgot about him, and James Lowe also got some votes. He also just missed out. So him and so Lowe and Korebeti were the ones that just missed out. And then the top six are, in terms of votes, were Will Jordan, then Damien Pinard, um, Emilio Bofeli, Duan van der Merwe, uh, Mac Hansen, and then Cheslin Colby. Sure. That's a nice list. Interesting one, I must say. Not, not a bad list at all. I mean, you've got finishers, you've got playmakers, you've got big people, you've got probably one of the best place kickers in the world right now, and then you've got craziness in Damien Pinot. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Just to, just to unbalance everything again. <laughs> Did you see Pinot in that um, Scotland test where he just got the ball and just ran like like parallel to the try line <laughs> just ran from one side of the field to the other just trying to find a gap and actually and, beat and like was, three or four defenders on the way yes and i was watching that and then i was thinking no this is not going to work out well for you and then he still managed to make a little something out of it that's what i was so <laughs> impressed by like it when you start doing that you generally either going to score a try or you lose like 30 meters and he just managed to be in the world of shit and then get out of it yeah, he's absolutely crazy. Look, Colby's obviously, I think, probably a little bit lower in this list because I mean, he's obviously been in and out of injury. Um, but obviously, he's good when he's good. Mac Hansen has been probably one of the big breakout stars of this World Cup cycle. So he's been obviously just a key part of like that Irish attack and just being another playmaker. We know how good Duan has been. I mean, he's, I think he's got 50 defenders beaten in the last, in his seven tests in 2023, which is ridiculous. Uh, I don't know, like, yeah, you, you need, you need like a tranquilizer and a harpoon to try and stop him. And then, yeah, we know how great Will Jordan is um, as a finisher. He's chasing that Doug Howlett record. So yeah, we, we will see if the Doug Howlett curse can work on him. The question for you. So Will Jordan normally plays mostly on the left, right? Um, I think he plays on the right. Uh, I don't know why I got that wrong. Okay. So who are left wings? Duan? Duan and Buffeli definitely play on the left wing mostly. And then we have four mm. right wings. Yeah. So Duan I mean, starts. Like, yeah, both Jordan and I think Hansen have played 11 for their countries. Colby's yeah. playing literally 11 this weekend for as well. For the first time, yeah. 
Flip, that's awesome. That's a great set of wingers, eh? I mean, yeah, you can't really argue with that. And I mean, just choosing the next two or three, you've got Kore, Marika Korebete, James Lowe, Nursery Sampton, Darcy Graham. No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do too badly with those as well. Yeah, no, not at all. Oh, okay, so let us go then to fullback. So people that got some love, um, Davin Ashvili, the awesome talent there for Georgia. Uh, Ange Kapuotso, he was a breakthrough player of the year last year. Bowden Barrett, now that he's changed positions, he got a bit of love. And then very close, this was the closest actually out of the people missing out and everything, was between Vili LaRue and Freddie Stewart. And Vili LaRue just got through, so he's in the top three with Hugo Keenan and Thomas Ramos. Yo, that's great. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad Vili, Vili beat um, Freddie into the mix. Um, I think Vili this year alone and a little bit of last year has really been ramping it up, so I'm quite, quite happy. Did Hog not um, get some more love? Because I know, I mean, I know I voted for him, but did he yeah. not? Did yes, he not get a little bit of love? Because I know he's just retired, but Flip, he's had a good World Cup cycle. I completely did not. He's literally on this list now. Yes, Stuart Hog did get some votes as well from you, <laughs> just from you though. <laughs> what? Am I the only one? Wow. So he's not in the top five of anyone else as a fifteen. Wow. Uh, here today, gone tomorrow, sir. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Sorry for you, you are the weakest <laughs> link. Goodbye. <laughs> so, yeah, that is then the top, the top three there for the fullback. So, yeah, just to go through them very quickly, 45 of the, or 46 of the 50 members of our Rugby Bits 50 are Stephen Kitzorf, Cyril Bai, Ellis Genge, uh, Malcolm Marx, Dan Sheehan, Julien Marchand, uh, Francois Malaraba, Uni Antonio, and Tad Furlong. The locks, you've got Eben Etzebeth, James Ryan, Scott Barrett, Paul Willemser, Sam Whitelock, and Mauro Toje. At flanks, you have um, Josh van der Fleer, Sia Colisi, and Michael Hooper, uh, Courtney Laws, uh, Charles Olivon, and Peter Omani. Then at eighth men, it's Greg Aldred, Kalen Doris, and RD Sevilla. Then we move to the backline players. You've got, well, the best player in the world right now, Antoine Dupont, um, Aaron Smith, and Jamison Gibson-Pogg, and Nick White, because they are tied. At fly half, we have Johnny Sexton, Roman Tamak, and Richie Moonga. In the midfield, we've got Damien Dialendi, Jordi Barrett, and Samu Karevi. Outside centre, we have Gail Fiku, Lucanio Am, and um, Gary Ringrose. On the wings, we've got Emilio Buffelli, Jonathan Amadva, Damien Pinot, Will Jordan, Mac Hansen, and Cheson Colby. And then at fullback, we have Hugo Keenan, Thomas Ramos, and Vili LaRue. So we now, Sean, have to decide on four players to make this a round 50. So I'm going to say the four players that were, or I'm going to say players that got like quite high points but just missed out, then we have to see which four we pick from them. So it's about, I think, seven or eight players here. So Julien <laughs> Montoya, he got quite a lot of points. Um, Ty Byrne and Lourdes Bioche got some points as well. Glock. You have Francois Crow who got um, points there in the loose forwards. And then in the back line, we have Finn Russell. Um, and got all his points from Cooks, if I'm not mistaken. No, he got <laughs> votes from other people five. as well. <laughs> Finn Russell, Finn Russell, Finn Russell. Yeah, so he got love. 
Jonathan Dante just missed out as well in the midfield with Glenn Ikitao. And then um, in the wings, Marika Korovete. And at fullback, Freddie Stewart. So those are about Can one, I pick two, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, maybe let's do that. So you pick two and I will pick two. Okay. Um, Tag Burn definitely for me needs to be in the top of Fair enough. He's, uh, he's been integral in Ireland's uh, rise to the top. Um, I think he's brilliant. He deserves to be there. Another one is someone that my second person is someone that I was um, probably a little bit harsh on or maybe was expecting too much, but managed to claw back and has also been a massive, massive part of France, but that's Jonathan Dante. Okay. Do you, <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a sidetrack. Don't you think Jonathan Dante looks a little bit like Cooks? <laughs> I've never, th- I've never, I've never thought of that. But I'm going to totally go look now. I'm going to go get all the images together. While Cooks is flying, just so everyone knows, I think Cooks is flying now. He's going <laughs> to yeah. when he lands, his social media is going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! no Tana, what have you done? I've I've been definitely calling that man Cooks for the last few weeks. But yeah, Jonathan Dante and. And Tugburn, I think I'd be pretty happy with that. Tugburn, obviously, we know how amazing he was in that third test against um, New Zealand in New Zealand, where he just decided, I'm going to just turn over at every ruck. And yeah, we know that every like two or so weeks, he has some big line break or creates some sort of like massive attacking play. So yeah, he's brilliant. And yeah, Ireland is obviously a lot better when he plays and Munster as well. And then yeah, Dante, I think, is a good choice there in the midfield as well. He's been, yeah, key. Um, for their um, resurgence. I mean, Sean, I mean, remember like a few years ago, we were talking about how important um, Vremi Vakatawa was and obviously he's um, fallen out obviously with his um, health um, issues and Dante, obviously he's more of a number 12 than a 13, but he's filled that role so well. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, Vakatawa the other day, Um, just thinking about like how when they said, I think it was before Six Nations, Squad announcements, and they said that he was out, or it was before November, I can't remember, and that he wouldn't play again. And we we're like, "How the hell are France gonna gonna replace him? Like, what mm. are they gonna do?" And um, yeah, sheesh, yeah, I'm still so so bummed, so bummed about that. He's he was crazy. Imagine he carried on playing now um, and was in the mix now. It'd probably be mm-hmm. Fiku at twelve and. Vakatawa at uh, 13. 13, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, but Dante, yeah, sheesh. I know I've said this before, but I remember Dante when he was playing in the top 14 and I was just like, I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see it in the sky. I don't, don't see what he's bringing or what he does. Like, why is everyone talking about him? It seems that I actually say that a lot, to be fair. <laughs> Maybe it's me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he's really... He's really turned it on. I think it just shows the um, the value and the power of 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 individuals being like happy in their spaces. I think a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, we don't we we don't kind of give like they're professional athletes. They they're not people in most people's minds. You know, they're like oh, you know, he's playing shit. Like he's not really doing. He's he, you know, he's lost it or he's not this. He's not that. Like he just could be going through some things. He just couldn't maybe not happy with the move or the club he's at or whatever. You know. It affects a lot of things and people handle things differently. Not that that's what happened with Dante, but it just made me think like how people turn around from being 
like average and then just absolutely pushing on to be like undroppable. Um, and then they go into the world stage and they start dominating. So yeah, pretty cool. I think Dante was also a big beneficiary of that um, France tour to Australia where they picked almost a, a second, third team. And I think he was basically given the keys at midfield and he was just causing absolute havoc. And that's pretty much how he started playing himself into um, the, the, the main national team. And yeah, obviously La Rochelle and their success as well. A big reason for that is how great Dante has been in the midfield. Yeah. So yeah, he's been brilliant. So Sean, yeah, you leave me now with the last two picks. Actually, I probably should have asked to go first because now this is absolutely tough. Just, I know. I was just thinking now, like I've picked two and I'm like, oh, that's a little bit shitty. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I didn't like, <laughs> I was like, oh, let me just pick two. And then I picked them and I'm like, hmm, I haven't left you much. That sounds bad. Sorry. But yeah, we should have maybe alternated. Next, next four years, we know what to do. <laughs> we know what to do in the next four years. So now who to pick? So, I mean, there's arguments for all of the... So the ones remaining, there's arguments for Julian Montoya, obviously the Argentinian um, hooker and captain. Probably, I think the only... If he gets in, he's the only Argentinian representative there. He's brilliant. I think... In another era, if those other three hookers weren't there, it'd be easy the best hooker in the world. So you can understand that. Lodiaka, I think he's only behind Whitelock as a line-out operator. Um, obviously, unfortunate with injury right now. I think he's, yeah, I think if he was playing and playing well right now, he'd probably be in most people's top sixes. Francois Crow, I'm such a big fan. Um, You're, I, yes. I'm probably the reason why he got <laughs> he got most of the points there. But yeah, he's obviously just, I think he's amazing in terms of rucking. He's one of those people that he will hit a ruck, he'll get to the ruck, and he will make sure that the ball is won. So I see a lot of value for that. Finn Dog Derulo, I don't, I, I'm wondering if I should do Cooks are Solid and Scotland and make sure that he's in. He'd also be the only Scottish, oh no, Duan is there, never mind. But yeah, he's obviously, we know the, the strings that he pulls at, at number 10. And he's, yeah, to be fair to him, I would say Finn is a bit uh, mountains and rivers, but he's been, yeah, having a, a lot of mountain peaks, I think, in the last, what, seven tests that um, Scotland has played this year. He has been quite consistent. He hasn't been going out and getting banned by Townsend. So, you know, fair <laughs> enough to him. He's been playing really well. Then Lenikita, also a personal favorite of mine. I think he's been really good um, at outside center. He's probably... I think one of the best defensive outside centers with, you know, Armin Feku. And I think he's been really good at attack. He's going to be a big miss for Australia. Mariko Korobete, he's probably next on the list of shoulder boys um, in, in world rugby at the moment. So he's also going to get no ban. Um, but yeah, he's, he's so crazy. I mean, I think I said this in another rugby bits um, pod that I think he's the best player in the world that only knows maybe 40% of the rules. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or laws, I should say. Laws. Like he he will just do something crazy and score a try and then do something crazy and then have a penalty. Like it's 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 either or for him and it all happens within one game. And then yeah, Freddie Skywalker, the man of the air, Freddie Stewart, shame. I don't know. Yeah, I think playing in England has probably limited a bit of his skill. And he he kind of seems like where Geordie Barrett was like three years ago when we were like okay, maybe it's, this is not his best position. Like maybe let's use his um, physicality in the midfield. So yeah, 
I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe in four years' time, we're talking about Freddie Stewart, the midfielder, like we did for Jordi as well. But you know what, Sean? Here's who I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Julien Montoya. And you know what? Let's pick Marika Corobete. Yeah, I oh. think Corobete has had a lot of great man of the match performances for Australia. Like, if they win, it's usually because he does something crazy, good or bad. Um, so he's in. And Montoya also in as well. And I apologize to all of my favorites and Cooks' favorites that didn't make it as well. I'm sure Cooks will have a strongly worded email um, that follows this when he hears this podcast. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Mm. If we may, if we did this vote in a year's time, so we've gone through a World Cup and we've gone through uh, a whole like Six Nations and Rugby Championship and whatever, who, mm. which one player do you think will be included? Oh, good question. I think this time next year, we will be, there's many. I mean, you can say one for each position pretty much. But I think one, I mean, I already had the two below to shout, but I think one that can be, that will be in that conversation for sure will be Ange Caporzo. I think he's just going to continue growing. I think, and I think that Italian team next year or from next year onwards with um, Gonzalo Casado, I think they'll be, a serious team, like a team that will be, you know, winning at least one or two Six Nations matches a year. So Capozzo, Garbisi, Lamaro, those those three players especially, I think they'll be um in the mix. Uh but yeah, I think let's yeah, let's let's keep it at Italian players. I think those are the two or three players that I think will will be in the conversation next year. For yourself, Sean? I'm gonna go with something completely left field. He didn't get a vote anywhere. I think he's incredible and I think he's one of the reasons why, one of the big reasons why Scotland have changed up in the last sort of year and a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Dempsey. Ooh. Oh, that's actually a very good one. He was in my like long list of like, you know what, he's actually been very good and he's had a crazy um, like last, what, six, seven months <laughs> in Test Rugby. I mean, well, 12 months in Test Rugby gone from changing countries to Scotland and now I mean on Saturday he was just brilliant like he can you tackle that man I don't think anyone can actually just stop him like it he'll get meters in 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 contact all all the time he's highly 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 underrated highly I believe um like a lot of people just look at him like an ex-wallaby and Mm -hmm. I don't think they see what he does he is incredible I I really think that he is is one of those guys, you know, you refer to as a glue guy in a team. I think he's one of those guys mm-hmm. in Scotland. I really do. I, I think he's, that's his temperament. That's his vibe. But he's, whether he comes off the bench or whether he starts, he puts in a massive shift each and every single time. Like he dominates. Whenever he plays, he does something. Whether he's smashing over someone or going through or past someone or putting in big tackles or turnovers, he's always doing something. He's, he, he's one to watch for this World Cup. So, yeah. Jack Dempsey, brilliant. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, look, Scotland. I've I've been I've been the first to say like how bad Scotland is, and yeah, like that they're very inconsistent. But these last two weekends, they've definitely got my attention. They've got my respect, <laughs> haven't they? they just seem that? like they seem like a serious team again, and I'm just hoping that now they don't like get thrashed by Georgia because they're playing them this weekend. But yeah, I. 
I've been really like the players that I've always been like, oh, are they consistent enough? Like they've stepped up, like the Richies, the Dempseys, like you said, Finn Russell's been great. You know, Hugh Jones has been, I think, great on both sides of the ball. Like, yeah, there's not much reason to now doubt that if Scotland can keep most of their first choice 23, Flip, we've got a tough game against them in the World Cup now and Ireland, to be fair. Yeah, massive. We 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 in for a massive, massive couple of weeks, man. We've that that's why I know we've named a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent side. But that's also why I think we need to go um, balls to the wall for the All Blacks just to get everyone like just shake it all out, get it all together. Be like, this is the match day twenty three. You play the All Blacks. We fix the wrongs. Um, uh, or we polish what needs to be done, and then we we take the Scotland because we have to. We need to beat Scotland in in order to set up our to make our World Cup not shitty. And I'm not saying that it won't be shitty because we could beat Scotland, lose to <laughs> Ireland, and still not make it. But I I think that our life will get infinitely shittier if yes, we yeah. don't beat Scotland. So uh, we've got yeah. to no, yeah. 100%. So we've got to beat them. Um, and uh, I think the best. I think that's also why the powers that be have picked Wales and the All Blacks as two preseason games leading up to that. Because, mm. yeah, that, like, it wouldn't help us to play, like, a World 15, you know, or, like, sacks. So, yeah, we've got to, we've got to play the big boys. You know what? Um, yeah, I think they're going to be fantastic in this World Cup. A bit of love also to some of the maybe let's say tier two players that did get a bit of love in the in the in these votings. Goran Gogiashvili, Theo uh, McFarlane got some love. Levani Botia, like I said earlier, um, I don't think I mentioned him when I was mentioning the 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 centers, but Josiah Tusova got I think a vote from from Jared if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yuje Suteni, Semi Rajadra. Hosei Naisulevu, like, yeah, obviously, and um, Divad Naniashvili as well. So I'm sure there's, yeah, there's going to be I'm a lot of talent there. I'm bummed you, that I forgot about didn't him. Didn't you vote for him? No. I think you did vote for him, though. I don't think I put Suteni in, not, not, at, uh, not at 13. I um, had Semi Radradra in. Um, Suteni, yeah, he, um, yeah. He's, a, he's brilliant. And I tell you, the one thing about, to sober for me is like I also didn't know where to put him, but he norm- he plays a lot on the wing, but he plays often at thirteen. Mm. But um, yeah, he's not exactly. Yeah. He's the kind of guy you always want in your team, but when you match him mm. up against like Coro Betty or something, you you start thinking, you know, is 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 he better? Weird. Okay, yeah. So I think let us start wrapping there. Very quick final question, Sean. If you had to pick. F- from this 50 that we have, who are your top five? DuPont. Okay, good. Sexton. Okay, good. Aldrit. Savia. Mm-hmm. Karevi. Okay. No, I think I, I wouldn't be too different from that. DuPont, uh, Aldrit, Audi, uh, it's a bath and yeah, man. Look, those number eights are brilliant. Give me Doris as well. <laughs> it's a three eights in this list. <laughs> brilliant. 
Okay, I think let us end it there. Um, we have now finished our first rugby bids 50. I'm sure everyone will agree with this list and will say how brilliant we are as selectors and that we did not leave anyone out and this was completely perfect and there's no social media abuse that will happen now. We should actually just put this podcast out now, Sean, while everyone's still moaning about the own Farrell decision so that no one notices it. Exactly. <laughs> Slide it under the radar. Yeah, just a little a little night news dump there, just being like, hey, look, just by the way, not to cause some con- controversy, but we don't rate your best player. But it's an art, of, defle- it's an art the- of deflection. You're like, hey, look over there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure there will be a lot of um, feedback from this and we love it and we enjoy it as well. I'll, I, if I can, I'll even maybe do a little bit of an article about this, this Rankyverse 50 as well. Yeah, um, keep... Keep uh keep your eyes posted on that as well. But yes, let's let's end it there. Thank you so much for listening to another great episode of the Rugbyverse podcast. Please go to our social media and follow us on Twitter and 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 on the meta platforms as well to see what we're doing. Um, go to our website as well. That's where we usually launch our our podcast. We're gonna get that going as well. And yeah, please follow us and, and, and on, on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Like, share, and subscribe. But just make sure that this podcast is shared with the rest of the rugby world. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Ciao.